chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as you're turning there, I'll, as I said earlier, you can't do right and get away with it. I'll give you a couple of humorous uh, language mishaps that I had down there. So uh, shortly after we were there, I took, took my boys to the park, and there was one kid in particular that was especially friendly to Silas, and we, he was playing with him, and I really appreciated him doing that, so I wanted to thank him for it. So in my broken Portuguese, I looked at him and I said, hey, good playing. Well, that's not even good. That's not good Portuguese. You don't say that, as I learned earlier, uh, learned later. But uh, I went back and I said, now, I, did, I used the verb for play, right? To play is uh, bring car. Yeah, I used bring, and I, I thought about it. I mean, no, I said bejar. That means, that means to kiss. I I congratulated him on his kissing. Good kissing. I don't think Silas has ever played with that kid again. Oh, well. Sorry, Silas. And uh, let's see. The second time I was asked to, by uh, my wife to go and try to find some coconut oil. And so I'm, I'm on a mission to find coconut oil. Well, I don't even know the word for oil, so that was going to be tough. But I, I, I thought I knew the word for coconut. And so I went, and I went down there and to the grocery store, walked a mile down, down uh, mostly downhill, all uphill on the way back, and uh, no, no vehicle. And so I, I, I'm down there, and I, I see a worker, and I say, hey, I, I need some, some coconut. I didn't know how to say oil, so I need some coconut. And so they, oh, okay. So they took me to the Coca-Cola. So no, 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 no. Now I don't need cocoa. I need, I need some coconut. So they took me to the, to the uh, chocolate powder, the cocoa powder. Right? No, not, not cocoa. So okay, um, I need some. So I said, cocoa. Well, cocoa is something that you might find in your yard if you have dogs and cats in the yard. And so, so I said that, and she looked at me. When I said, I, oh, I need some cocoa, and she looked at me, and she went, get away from me. So... It's funny because later on I found it. Uh, one of the times I was at the store later on, she was like maybe five feet. She could almost touch the coconut oil, of course. You know, but uh, anyway, uh, can't do right and get away with it, but man, uh, try anyway and uh, keep, uh, keep trying. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to preach about the shepherds here this evening. Some lessons from the shepherds. Luke 2, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill Toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them and 
into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this story and for the example that we have here of the shepherds. Lord, I pray that uh, as many needs are represented here tonight, that you would minister to each and every one who came here, Lord, to receive a blessing from your word. Lord, they uh, will get a much greater blessing hearing from you than just, than just from hearing from Joel Dunbar here tonight. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd get me out of the way so that uh, you can work. And I pray that we would uh, be encouraged, Lord, with some truths out of this story here tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. So here's the scene. These shepherds are another night up, up on the hill or in the meadow, wherever they were at. I think, it's, I think the Bible says they were on the hills. And uh, they were, uh, uh, it was dark, it was at nighttime, and it was, it was just another night taken care of those stinky, smelly, stupid sheep. Have you ever been around sheep? Sheep stink. They smell, and they're really stupid. Unfortunately, God calls us sheep. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? He calls the children of Israel sheep, and boy, are, are, are they sheep or what? But uh, we are too. And not real intelligent. A lot of times we make a mess of things, and we stink things up in our lives. But uh, here the shepherds are. It's just another night taking care of the sheep. Just another night feeding the sheep, just another night watching, making sure the wolves don't come, just another night of boredom. Until, that is, the angel of the Lord appeared. The angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Yeah, I would think so. You're in a car, and you're driving to work, or you're in your bed at night, all of a sudden there's a bright light, and you see somebody, and all, I mean, you get scared. Have you ever been really scared? Uh, you just, you've just been, you know, maybe you're driving and a deer pops up and, uh, in your windshield. I remember driving with my dad one time and a pastor who's now in heaven, Mike Marshall. And we were driving. Uh, dad, I think you were driving. And uh, Mike Marshall was in the passenger seat and I was behind them. And all of a sudden there was this guy in the middle of the road going like this. Country road, not too far from here on uh, Cayuga Lake, the other side of it. We were coming back from a preacher's meeting, and Dad's rounding a curve, and all of a sudden, there's a guy in the middle of the road. My dad had to swerve not to hit the guy, and they were so curious why there would be a guy stupid enough to be in the side of the road, uh, middle of the road like that, that they turned around and, uh, uh, to see what, what it was. Just a weird guy. I don't, know what he, I don't know what his deal was trying to get hit, I guess. It was near a mental institution, so, so my dad wasn't make, taking any chances with Brother Marshall. Uh, but... Uh, in fact, it was him that mentioned, you know, there's a mental institution nearby, and this guy's in the middle of the road trying to get hit. I don't think we should stop. He might have a buddy with a shotgun, you know, that uh, when you go out, get out to help, he might uh, blow our brains out. But uh, these guys were scared. They got scared. And the first thing the angel says is, fear not. But what happened here? God showed up. God showed up in the middle of a boring task. You know, uh, I... A pattern I find in Scripture is that God often shows up during the mundane. Who, like, who here likes the mundane? Now, now, if your life has been too exciting lately, you might, yeah, I like the mundane, yeah, but day after day after day after day, the same old, same old, same Go to work, and it's the same old thing, same old thing. Now, some people handle that better than others. 
I worked in a factory, and there were, there were, there were some uh, young folks I worked with that they could not handle doing the same thing for much more than 20 minutes, man. They, they would, I, I, I could have done it all day for days. I, I, you know, give me the same thing. I know what I'm doing, and I'm here to do it. <laughs> but even then, I got to have a change every now and then. I can't do the same thing for, for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day for, you know, uh, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. However, God often shows up during the mundane. I, mundane. I heard a quote. It was a sports quote, and a guy was talking about Tom Brady, and he said, you know why Tom Brady is the best? He's called the GOAT, the greatest of all time. You know, he doesn't, just, he doesn't know when to retire. He's married, he's married to football. He's divorced from his second or third wife now. He is a football player, and that's all he's about. But you know why he's the best at football? He's not the, he, he probably won't be writing any marriage books anytime soon or any family man books, but he is the best at football. He is. And I, the quote I heard was, Tom Brady is the best because he, lear- he has learned to master the mundane. I wrote that. I have, a, I have a, a bunch of quotes. I don't know if they're famous, but I have a bunch of quotes in my Bible, mainly from preachers. But every now and then, I'll have a lost guy in there. And uh, I don't know if Jim Rohn, I don't even like the guy. I don't know if he was the one that, that said it or if he was quoting somebody else. I have a quote of a lost guy on, in here about repentance. But uh, this sports guy said Tom Brady is the best because he learned to master the mundane. I heard a preacher, uh, his last name is Rice. He's related to, he's Bill Rice III. Bill Rice and John R. Rice were brothers. And uh, he's Bill Rice III. He, he was asked when I was a Brother Rice, what is the secret to success in the ministry? What is the secret? Give me a nugget of wisdom. And you know what that guy told him? He said, you want to be successful in the ministry? You want to get in the ministry and be successful? He looked at him and he said, learn to brush your teeth. He goes, no, no, really, give me something for the ministry. He goes, brush your teeth. You know what he was telling him? Learn to master the mundane. Be faithful with the mundane. I gotta go to work tomorrow, man alive, you know. Uh, I even have to work on Friday. You know, most companies are giving people Friday off. Hey, is it gonna be mundane on Friday? Yeah, really boring. Half the people won't even show up, and the other half will call off. Man, I do not want to go to work. You know what? Maybe God will show up. I was at work one day at MCL. I did not want to be there. I didn't want to be there hardly at all. Ask my wife. I'd come home and gripe and complain. That poor woman listened to me. I come home and I say, you know, I don't have the grace for this. I don't have the grace for this factory junk. I don't have the grace for these, these, uh, these, in, these coworkers of mine that think they're in high school still. We're not in high school. Grow up. I'm not your, I'm not your brother. I'm not your, you're not my mother. Act like it. Grow up a little bit. I don't, ha- I, I don't have the grace for this. <laughs> she she kind of reminded me, do, do you really think it's a good thing to say that you don't have the grace for something that God put in your life? Uh, maybe I'll try to find the grace. <laughs> but uh, you don't have the, I don't have the grace for that. I, I, I think I stopped saying that. Uh, don't ever say that. You're admitting that you're, you don't have the gra- you're not taking the grace that's available for you every day because you know, God's grace is sufficient, whether you're sufficient or not. God's grace is sufficient. But uh, one day I was, I was just there, and God showed up. It was mundane. I was, just, I was on my way to my workstation, and a gal come up to me and said, Hey, Joel. Some of us were wondering, would you be willing to lead a Bible study here? 
for, for some of us. We'd like, we need someone to lead a Bible study, and you're a pastor, right? Would you, would you lead a Bible study here? I, I gave a real spiritual answer. I said, well, let me pray about it. And I knew right away the Lord was in it. I didn't have to pray about it. I knew. You know, it caught me off guard. That's why I said, uh, let me pray about it. But I was, God shows up sometimes during the mundane. Um, I remember being in Brazil when I was 18. I went to live with, Matt, with the Matthews. On the, I was on what uh, it's called a six-by-six six plan. I was six months working in Green Bay and six months on the mission field. When uh, I got a call from my dad, I, I, a call or a letter? I think it was a call. And we were talking, and he said, guess what? He goes, there's a, a so-and-so got saved. And we were praying for so-and-so to get saved. His uh, wife and family were in the church for years, and he wasn't saved. He got saved. It was just another day. You know, when the rapture happened, when that trumpet blows, it's just going to be another day. Just going to be another day. What's our responsibility? Be faithful. Be faithful. You know, the biggest fear I have, the biggest fear I have is that I'm not faithful when that trumpet blows. That's the biggest fear in this life that I have. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit just before the trumpet blows. Or I'm going to, it's just a little sad. I'm just going to do this real quick. I, I've done this before. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do this. Please don't come today. Man, praise the Lord, he didn't come. He delayed his coming just so I could sin and, and uh, fulfill the lust of the flesh. Man, praise the Lord. No, he didn't delay his coming for me. But man, don't get in the habit of that because one of these days he's going to come whether you're ready or not. He's going to come whether I'm ready or not. It's going to be just a mundane day. And the trumpet's going to blow. Are you going to be ready? God shows up during the mundane. You know, woe be unto the shepherd that missed it. Man, you shouldn't have called off a work, man. Man, Ezra, did you ever miss it? Man, this angel showed up. We were scared out of our minds. It was scary at first. But man, he, he gave us some information. And man, we acted on that information. It was the greatest thing we ever did. Man, God showed up. You shouldn't have called off a work, man. You blew it. Big time. How about uh, Thomas? Thomas, for one reason or another, wasn't in church. He wasn't in the upper room. You read that passage. He missed out on two or three things. He missed out on the peace of God. He missed out on the, uh, uh, the commission. They got commissioned. He, got all, he, got, he missed out on all kinds of things by not being there. Uh, he was there eight days later, I think. He, decide, he shows up. I don't know if he had family obligation. I don't know why he wasn't there, but he was the only disciple not there, doubting Thomas. And boy, uh, he probably could have used that confirmation. He probably could have used what he would have gotten had he been in church. Probably would have been a much better eight days for, for Thomas. But uh, man, God, what, what happened? God showed up. Jesus showed up. I don't want to miss church when Jesus shows up. I don't want to miss my devotions when Jesus is going to show up. What? He didn't show up for the last three weeks. Well, then he's probably about due. Keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Yeah, but, you know, they're on their deathbed and they're not saved. Pastor Matthews, Rick Matthews' dad, got saved the last few weeks of his life. And Brother Matthews didn't even lead him to Christ. He found out when he was there. His dad was dying. He got on a plane, went to, uh, from, from, Bauru, Brazil, it was two months after we, we showed up. He flew to Washington State and found out as his dad was dying that somebody came up to the hospital room and led him to Christ. He'd been praying for his dad for 30, 35 years to get saved. 
Don't quit while there's hope. Be faithful. Never quit when there's hope. Oh, but it looks bleak. Is there still hope? Uh, you know, once they're dead, you can stop praying for them to get saved. Once they're dead. Uh, once, uh, uh, once there's absolutely no hope, then go ahead, stop, stop praying. But if there's a, a glimmer of hope, you know, any problem that you have tonight, God can probably resolve in about 24 hours. Yeah, but that bill's due tomorrow. Okay, God can take care of that before you leave the parking lot today. Uh, Seth what, and I were at Fleet Farm. We were at Fleet Farm last week, and Seth had never been in Fleet Farm before, and we, I took him down the, the, the tractor aisle, and the toy tractors, man, two aisles full of toy tractors. He was in all his glory, man. And, 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 and then we went to the gun aisle, and all the rifles, and oh, man, he, he didn't know how to handle it hardly. But uh, we were there, and there was a, 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 I don't know how the conversation got started, but I was talking to this lady, and I said, yeah, we're, we're missionaries, and we haven't, this is the first time he's been here, he's really liking these toys, and we're, uh, we're missionaries, and we haven't, we, uh, we just got back a, a week or so ago, back from Brazil, and well, she leaves, and all of a sudden, about five minutes later, we're still in the same aisle, she comes back, man, storming back, coming, coming toward me like a gal on a mission, I'm like, oh man, what do I do? And she comes up, she goes to shake my hand, and she changes her mind, and she shakes Seth's hand, and she had something in her hand, and she shakes his hand, and it was a secret handshake, Seth calls it, and she had $40 in her hand and gave it to, gave it to, to, uh, to Seth, uh, that, one of those boys, Silas or Seth, and uh, don't name your kids the same name, and I was smarter than my dad, I didn't name them J's, I named them S's, and I have a lisp, so I was in Seth. But uh, anyway, anyway uh, Dad, my name's Seth, not Silas. Whatever, you know, what it, you know who I'm talking to. But it was, just, it was just, a, just another store to shop at. We were just at, at a store. The Lord showed up and was a blessing to myself. You never know when the Lord's going to show up. Be faithful. Be faithful. I was at McDonald's. Preacher said, hey, do you want to go to McDonald's? For some, for some coffee, I'm, like, I'm thinking, no, coffee, McDonald's coffee is terrible. Probably way worse now than it was even back then, because I'm used to good coffee. I'm from Brazil. I said, sure, I lied. Sure, preacher, let's go out for coffee at McDonald's. So we go, and we're talking, and I decided, I didn't know why, why I did this, but I did it. I said, preacher, I've done this probably a half a dozen to a dozen times. Preacher, am I ever going to get to Brazil? We'll see what the Lord does. That was his answer all the time. I hated that response. We'll see what the Lord does. I'll translate. I have no idea when you're going to Brazil, if you're ever going to get there. Who knows? Only God knows, and he hasn't told me yet. We'll see what the Lord does. That was his answer all the time. So, preacher, am I ever going to get to Brazil? And man alive, he looked at me and said, you know what? I think it's time. And I went, holy cow. And the hair on the back of my neck stood up, and he started... Uh, explaining this plan. He goes, you know what? We're about, to have a mi- we're about to have a mission conference, but in six months we'll have another one, and it'll be the get rid of Dunbar's offering, and we will, we will the money that we raised, let, let, he said, let's get you to your there. Uh, Elijah was supposed to get to his there, the brook. He said, let's get you to that, you, let's get you to your there, and let's see what the Lord does, and you will stay on that money that, that we raised during, during the conference. And man, I got scared, but man, the Lord showed up. For, for one reason or another, 
uh, it was my turn to count the offering. And me and Luke Courtright, one of our deacons, we counted the, uh, I counted my own offering. And it was weird not giving in my own offering. I like to give. So when there's a big offering, I want to give. So it was weird not giving to myself. And that would have been, that would have been weird. And so we're counting the offering, and the money is just rolling in. And, and I don't know if, it was, if there was this many people here, uh, maybe a little less. And I don't know how the Lord did it, but I counted the offering, and I don't know how he did it. It was God. I could only explain it, by God, but God showed up, and then more money rolled in, and more money rolled in even after that. And Lord, Lord got us there. It seems like everywhere I go, I, I left here, and I went to college, and I crammed... I crammed four years into seven, actually, from, the, from, from when I started to when I stopped. It was seven years. I took a year off. But uh, about seven years of college, you know, I are smart. I, I go to college. And then I go to Green Bay, and preacher tells me, three to five years. We'll get you to Brazil in three to five years. I'm there 13 years. And then I get to Brazil. He said, uh, You'll have enough money for four years. I'm there six and a half. Wherever I go, I, so I'm afraid. I'm afraid to be here on furlough. I don't know how long furlough is going to be. You know, I know I told you you're going to be preaching me for for ten months. No way, but it's going to be for four years. Four year furlough. Why not? But uh, but God often shows up during the mundane. You got to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, puke another day. Another day of work. Puke. Well, maybe the Lord will show up. Yeah, He probably won't. Well, he shouldn't with that attitude, but he might. Hey, have you ever been blessed in spite of yourself? Yeah, sure. Oh, man, the goodness of God leads to the repentance. Lord, why did you do that? I don't deserve this. Lord, you should. You, sometimes his blessings are embarrassing. At least some of them are to me. It's like, Lord, I did not deserve this. You know, why did you do this? Sometimes the Lord shows up during the mundane. Uh, he shows up after you had a fight with your wife, you know, and, 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 and she was right and you were wrong. You were a jerk again, guys. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, you got mad at the kids, you know, for the, they were being rebellious, but maybe, maybe not. But uh, Lord blesses you in spite of yourself. But God often shows up during the mundane. God often shows up during the mundane. Number two, when God does show up, respond quickly. Because oftentimes when he shows up, he has some orders for us to obey. He has some orders for us to obey. And he did. He told them to go. He said, this shall be a sign unto you, verse 12. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, could will toward men. And so they, they leave in verse, uh, verse 16. It says, and, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Just as, just as the word of God said. You know, you can trust this book, guys. Folks, you can trust this book. If God said it, it's coming. A lot of people are, 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 going, are questioning and doubting his return. He's coming back, and it's getting close. He said, yeah, well, they've been saying that for 50 years. They, they were saying that in the 70s. They were saying that in the 40s. They were saying, you know, okay, but he's coming back one day, and I want to be ready. I want to be ready. He's coming back. And it's going to be during a mundane day when the boss is being is being. Bravo. Uh, being, Silas, help me out. Mean. mean. When the boss is being mean. Portuguese coming out. Sorry about that. But uh, when, the, when, the, when the boss is being mean, the boss is being a jerk, uh, careful how you respond because the Lord might be coming back. 
<laughs> and you're screaming at your boss, feeling all big and stuff, and you're not being the kind of coworker that you're uh, and bought and uh, servant to your boss that you're supposed to be. And the trumpet blows, and you find yourself in front of the Lord, and you're screaming Him out. Oh, oh Lord, it's you. Sorry, I thought you were my boss still. Oh, boy, boy, that rapture happens fast. Yeah, the Lord often shows up during the mundane. Preacher Keck says, you know, I, I can just see, I can just see the backslidden Christian that's not separated still. And he's up and facing the Lord and going. Hi, Lord. Or he's got a drink of whiskey or something. And oh, oh, hi. How you doing, Lord? What? You came back so soon. So soon, I waited over 2,000 years. God shows up during the mundane, so be faithful. And when God shows up, be obedient to what he tells you to do. Respond to the light that he gives you. And respond quickly. He says, they went with haste. You know, I'm going to get to Bethlehem. You know what? If you wait, he's going to be moving to a house, and when the, when the, shep, when the uh, wise men show up, they go to a house. Oh, man, I can't find that manger in that stable anywhere. That's because you didn't go with haste. I'm going to read my Bible through one of these years. Well, you know what? We're almost in a new year. Maybe 2023 would be a, the year to finally read your Bible. There's probably somebody here, a group this size, that has never read your Bible from beginning to end. Man, I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, and I, I, I left you a perfect book. How many times did you read it? Almost once. What? Almost once? Man, you watched Avengers 18 times. Nine of them in the theater, and you only read my book almost one time? What's wrong with you? Good question. I can't be faithful to read my Bible every day. And he died on the cross for me. I can't be faithful to pray. Yeah, but he still hasn't answered my prayer. I, uh, I, heard, I heard of a kid that was praying for a horse, and, I, and uh, I, he, I said, are you still praying for a horse? And he said, you know, I asked the Lord one time, and he didn't give me one, so I'm done. I stopped. <laughs> well, you may need to learn something about prayer. <laughs> keep, keep praying. You never know what the Lord will do. Keep praying for that horse. Be faithful. Be obedient. The, the shepherds were, were faithful. You know, just another night on the hill taking care of these stinking sheep, these stupid sheep. You know, I don't even know, I, I don't even want to be a shepherd. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get out of this situation. You know, you might be in a situation you hate your job. Man, I was in a, I was in a situation where I did not like my job. But man, we, but when God moved, I'm not saying he's going he's gonna to move you to the job of your dreams. You might, you might have to retire there. I, I, I was at the point where I told the Lord, Lord, I want, I want Brazil. Brazil is a dream, but if you want me to stay in, in Wisconsin, in Green Bay, the rest of my life, I'll stay here. If you want me to retire from MCL, I'll retire. I just need to know. Let me know, and I'll, I'll do whatever you want, but I need to know what the orders are. You tell me what the orders are. I don't have decisions to make. I have orders to obey. Give me the orders, and I'll obey them. But be faithful and be obedient. You, know, you won't be obedient if you're not faithful. And you won't be faithful if you're not obedient. Respond to the light that God gives you. They responded to the light, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, 
And all they that heard it wandered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. God shows up during the mundane. Respond quickly to the light that God gives you. And then tell others of God's goodness. Tell others of God's goodness. Be a witness. Be a witness of God's salvation. You know, uh, it's not that hard to witness, especially if you tell your testimony. Just tell how you got saved. Tell what God did to you, for you. Tell them how you got saved. Tell them your, your salvation. That's what Paul did two or three times in the book of Acts. He just told people how he got saved. Here, here's what God did for me. God saved me. I was the chief of sinners. And I was just, it was just another day. I was just walking on the road, getting ready to kill some more Christians, getting ready to haul some, some off, to jail, off to prison, when God showed up and he saved my soul. And, he, and, he, and he'll save you if you're willing. There might be somebody here that's not saved. It's a, today might have been a, a mundane day. It might have been a terrible day. You might have heard some terrible news. Uh, uh, you might just can't wait for this day to get over. But you know what? God is willing to save you if you'll call on him. The Bible says, but whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can't save yourself. This church can't save you. I can't save you. My dad can't save you. Grandma can't save you. Lighting candles can't save you. Only the work of Jesus Christ on the cross can save your soul. That's it. And if you'll trust Jesus Christ and his work on the cross to save you, he'll save you if you call on him. Tell others of God's goodness. Remember the last, my last day in uh, uh, the States before I flew, flew off in the airplane, Lord brought to my attention a few days before that I had never really tried to witness to my chiropractor. And we had known him for quite a while, probably about 10 years. And I thought, you know, uh, I could rely on other church members that go there, but Lord's given me an order. You know, uh, we all have, have a, an order to preach the gospel to every creature. And so, Lord said, you need, you, before you get to Brazil, you need to witness. You need to at least try to witness to your chiropractor. His name is Dr. Ricky. So, I said, all right, Lord, how do you want me to do it? So, the Lord gave me an idea. And so, I went the day before, day or two before, and paid for a visit. My neck wasn't bothering me. My back wasn't bothering me. I didn't have any, any physical problems. Uh, but I paid for everything. I, I wanted that time slot, that 10 or 15-minute time slot. And I got it at 6 o'clock in the morning. Say, yeah, you were there that day, Dad. And uh, they went to, they, my folks were there to see me off. I, I believe Joy was there too. But 6 o'clock in the morning. And it's like, you know, what a, what a terrible, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm flying internationally that day, that night. And I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep anyway, so why not? Why not go to the chiropractor? Nothing better to do at 6 o'clock in the morning. So I did. I, you know, and it was like 30 bucks, but it wasn't, it was, that's not that expensive. And so in dollars, in hay ice, it's a hundred and, what is that, 150 hay ice. But in dollars, it's a lot cheaper. So that's what we do. When we want to justify stuff, we, we, we do that when we're, when we're in, the, uh, in Brazil. Hey, it's only in dollars, it's not that bad. And then if my dad tells, says, hey, it's not that much in dollars, but I live in ice, Dad, come on. <laughs> so it, it's, it's all, uh, it depends on what mood I'm in. 
You know, if I, if I want something, if, if, if I want to be a, a, a poor missionary, then I tell my dad, Dad, I live in hay ice, man. Dad, that's, I, I don't live in dollars. It's, feel sorry for me. But uh, so anyway, 30, $30, I, I, I paid the day before. I, I went there. The, the chiropractor was there. He met me at the door. He, he had the key. We went in. He told, tells me to go to, to uh, room number one. And he, you know what I had to do? I had to wait. You know, it's a law at any doctor's office. You must wait. It must be a law. I don't know if the world would explode, implode, or something if you didn't have to wait at a doctor's office. But I, I, I think that would happen. I think the, the time would end, the world would end, or something. But uh, he, had, he had nobody in there but him and I. He comes in, and he said, hey, all right, what's wrong? I said, absolutely nothing. I feel great. I said, but I need to tell you something. I, I said, uh, uh, I'm getting ready to go on a plane tonight. I'm going to go to Brazil. I may never see you again. I said, uh, I, I want to tell you how, how I got saved and how, uh, what Jesus Christ did for me, and I did. I didn't know what the Lord, I was asking for the Lord to do something. I, it would have been great if he would have got saved, but I, I, but I wanted to be obedient. The Lord, I need to be obedient, and so, so I did. He looked at me, and he got white as a ghost, and he looked at me, and he, and he said, what do you know? I said, well, I know I'm saved. No, 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 no. Why? Why now? Why are you telling this to me now? I'm like, okay. All right, Lord. You're, all right, I'm getting what I deserve. Why, why today? Why did you wait 10 years, 13 years to, to witness to me if it's so important? Okay, I'll take my lick. I deserve it. I shouldn't have waited until the day, day I leave for Brazil. I should have witnessed to him years before. Okay, I'll take my rebuke from a lost guy that doesn't even know he's rebuking me. All right, that's what I was expecting. He said, I, I, I said, how come I waited now to tell you since it's so important? He goes, no. Why today? What do you know? He goes, what do you mean, what do I know? He goes, do you have a premonition? Am I going to die? I totally blew it. Of course he's going to die. It's the point of the man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. I should have said, yes, you are. He, he probably would have wet his pants. <laughs> I, he probably would. I mean, he was white as a ghost. I've never seen a guy look so terrible in my life. And he always looks tired, but he looked really bad now because now he's tired and scared to death and it's six o'clock in the morning and he has a whole day of work ahead of him i'm his first patient and he looked at me and he said no really am i gonna am i gonna die he said i'm not ready to die he said i'm not he said i'm not ready to die he said i'm i'm not ready to leave my kids i haven't spent enough time with them he works he he's a workaholic and uh, a really really crazy schedule and he said, uh, he said I, I, I'm not ready. And basically, he said, I'm not satisfied. And uh, I thought he was Lutheran. Turns out he's Catholic. It doesn't, doesn't matter. New Lutheran, Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Mormon, Muslim. It doesn't really matter. Hindu. Uh, but because religion doesn't satisfy. And so uh, uh, he, looked, he looked at me and said, no, really. Am I, gonna? I said, I don't, I don't know. I said, I don't have a premonition. I just, all I know is that... that uh, Lord wanted me to witness to you, and I wanted, I wanted to tell you the best thing that ever happened to me, most important thing that I've ever done. And, and then he goes to tell me that he's satisfied with his religion, but he's scared to death, and he's not ready to die, and he's not prepared. He's not, yeah, he's not satisfied. He's not satisfied at all. I went and saw him a couple weeks ago. He's like, oh, hi, how are you? And it was real nice for about 30 seconds. Okay, got to go, bye. <laughs> That's just how he is. But uh, he remi- he. You can't tell me he, he didn't remember me. Well, I left, and uh, it, 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 he was probably scared. I don't know if he told his wife. I don't know if he told anybody. But there was, a, there was a poor patient in there who probably got the worst chiropractic adjustment he's ever gotten in his life. But that guy, that doc, was scared to death. He was probably a nervous wreck. 
But I was obedient. I was obedient. I remember uh, when I got married, I came through here on my honeymoon, and my dad preached a message on hell. And it was not for, it was for, it was for us church folks. It was, I don't even think there was a lost person in the service except for maybe a church kid or something like that. No visitors. He preached a message on hell, the rich man and Lazarus, and he was preaching to the, to the saved. Hey, there's a hell. It's real. You need to get serious about your Christian walk and, to, and warn people who need to be warned. Well, I was going to see my grandfather the next day. And the Lord was already working on me about witnessing to my grandfather because I tried to when I was probably younger than Seth, about six years old, seven years old, eight years old. And I told my, pleaded with my grandpa, I didn't want him, I wanted him to say that I didn't want him to die and go to hell. And he reamed me out. Probably the whole house probably heard. I uh, reamed me out. So it, when you get reamed out by grandpa, when you get chewed out by grandma, when you get uh, rebuked by aunt or uncle, boy, that has an effect on you. And so the uh, Lord said, you need to witness to him. And so I came forward right about here, I think it was, and the Lord, I will witness to Grandpa tomorrow when we see him in Rochester. We're going through and uh, going to see him and then going to go through Canada and go back to, and stay at, at Port Huron and head back to Tina's, Tina's house, or Tina's folks' house. Well, I told her, I said, uh, uh, I told Tina the decision I made. I made myself accountable because uh, it's easy to back out when you make decisions like that. So I told her and so we go and we visit him and uh, not only was my grandpa there, but my, my aunt and my cousin was there and his girlfriend. And, and they wanted to watch the video of our wedding. And lo and behold, Dad preached a salvation message in the wedding. So man, I, I, was, I was off the hook. I'm like, you know, the Lord just wanted me to, the Lord just wanted me to uh, uh, submit to doing it, but I don't have to do it. He just wanted my submission. Hot dog, I don't have to witness the grandpa because my dad's going to do it for me. And, and, and dad did, and he witnessed and everything. And, and so my cousin and my aunt end up having to leave. And so they left. Man, they, I got four for the price of one, and I didn't even have to do any work. My dad did it for me. And it was great. And I, they left, and it was just grandpa and I and Tina in the room. And I said, Grandpa, I said, what did you think of the wedding? And he said, I'm sure it was really wonderful, but I didn't hear a thing. Lord, that's dirty. <laughs> I was mad at God. Uh, he said, hey, didn't, you, didn't you already tell me you'd witness? I mean, what's the problem? I'm waiting on you now. <laughs> and so we went back to the room, and uh, I delayed as long as possible, and Tina's looking at me like, you know, we got to go through Canada yet tonight? <laughs> and uh, we're, still, we're in Rochester, New York, and we got to go all the way through Canada? And so she, she started bringing up death and car accidents and stuff like that and uh, that really got my grandpa's attention and then I was able to witness to him and, and he, he had his head down the whole time but he listened the entire time and then when we left Tina gave him a track and he took it and he didn't you know to my knowledge the grandpa never got saved but I was obedient and did what I was, I was told to do and we shut that door and I was, a pie, I was a heap of bones man I was so weak I collapsed on the floor he was like, want me to help you up? I'm like, yeah, in a minute. <laughs> uh, but I, I was obedient. I did what I was told. But I was just telling others of God's goodness, what God did for me. God saved me. I'm a sinner, and God saved me. Uh, God's goodness. Uh, it was mentioned in the, in the uh, video that we had problems with our visa. Man, did we ever have problems. We had problem after problem after problem. 
when I went to renew my, my uh, missionary visa, to renew my temporary visa the second time, they had changed the process. And so I went to the federal police with Brother Matthews. We went there several times. And they said, oh, we don't do that anymore. We just take care of making the cards. You have to get approved by the Ministry of Labor. So we went to the Ministry of Labor, and they said, no, no, we don't do anything with, with that. You have to go to the federal police. Went back to the federal police, and they said, no, we told you the Ministry of Labor. So we go to the I, They said you. They said, well, we don't know what to do. So can you help us? No, we don't even know what you're talking about. So I had one guy that, that uh, the, the gal who was the head of the Ministry of Labor, she didn't have a clue what she was talking about, and she gave us wrong information. And so then I asked the guy, I said, uh, there was a guy that was willing to help us. He called Brasilia, the capital, where they made the law, and called the Ministry of Labor there. Nobody there had a clue what was going on. Socialism is wonderful. Don't ever get it in this country. You're really close. Don't, don't get it. It's terrible. But uh, so anyway, uh, we, ended up, we, we ended up trying to trying to get it. Well, Matthews ended up leaving. Two, a day or two after he left for furlough, we had an appointment with the federal police. And I mean, I had all my ducks in a row. <laughs> so I thought. I went there and I said, here you go. Here's all my stuff. And they're like, nope, you're late. I said, yeah, you're late. We're late. But you said a, a year or two ago that there would be no fees for being late. I said, well, I don't know who said that. And I don't know. But uh, you owe 10,000 hay ice. Your wife owes 10,000 hay ice. You have... 60 days to pay it and leave the country. Next. And boy, I left that federal police building. I would have felt better if Mr. Corey would have punched me in the stomach. I, I'm serious. I would have felt better. I, I felt like they, you know, uh, it, 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 it really would have felt better. I was like, I'm looking at Tina. I said, what in the world just happened? I said, are, are we about to leave Brazil for good? That's what we thought. And man, the Lord showed up. It took a while. He had some friends help us, and that didn't work out. Had another, some other friends help us, that didn't work out. Finally, uh, we, had, uh, we had a lawyer that's a friend of our church, and he had just passed the bar exam, which never happens. You don't pass the bar exam the first time. You pass it the second, third, and fourth time in Brazil. Most, uh, if we were in Brazil tonight, if every one of you were to take your driving test, only half of you would pass and half of you would fail. And it might not be because you don't know what you're doing. It just... There's a quota, they have to fail half of you so that the government can make money because you'll have to retake it. Yay, socialism, it's a wonderful thing. So, uh, that's just the way it is. So, Silas is hoping to be able to take his driving test here instead of having to go back to Brazil and take it a few times. But uh, I had to take it, Dan and I had to take it twice. Uh, that was wonderful. We had the same wonderful, wonderful man that uh, failed us both. But uh, anyway. Uh, but God worked, God worked it out where we didn't have to pay the fines. In fact, we didn't even have to pay the processing fee for, for uh, uh, making our cards. We have, we have uh, uh, Visa cards. We didn't have to pay for any of that. And I don't, I don't know what the lawyer, what lawyers are wonderful. When, well, lawyers can be wonderful. They, they can be. I know they get a bad rap, but they can be wonderful when you need them. And uh, uh, Lord... Lord did, did some uh, wonderful things for us while we were down there, and I could, I could tell uh, story after story, which I won't. I almost started the message on uh, 27 lessons from the shepherds, point number one, but I, I don't want to scare you too much. But uh, lessons from the shepherds. God shows up during the mundane. Because of that, be faithful. You never know when he's going to show up. 
You know, have you ever been, been in a service and you didn't even like the person who was preaching and the Lord showed up and you got a big blessing if you could get over who was preaching and get over your attitude? God says, hey, hey, dummy, I got a blessing for you. Just pay attention to the message, not the messenger. And you get a big blessing. Why? God, God shows up during the mundane. And then when he does show up, respond to what he tells you to do. And respond quickly. Why? Because your flesh will have, your flesh has good intentions. You know, we're, all of us are going to lose, what, 20 pounds in, in January, right? We're all going to lose 20 pounds. We're going we're gonna to lose the 15 that we're about to gain this week, and then we're going we're gonna to lose an extra five, just, just for good measure. We're all losing 20 pounds in January, right? Yeah, January 1st we are. See how that goes uh, January 31st. I, I plan on being back in, uh, in June. Uh, we'll, see how we'll see how many of us lost 20 pounds, all right, in January. Uh, good intentions. The flesh has good intentions, but the flesh is weak. The, your flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. You need to respond quickly. I plan on, do, I plan on reading my Bible. I plan, on, I plan on being a witness one of these years. Years? Yeah, we don't have a whole lot of years left. Oh, uh, Lord might not come. I mean, it, it's possible the Lord might not come back for another 20 years. You know, some of us will be dead by then. Some of us are not going to be alive in 20 years. Some of us because we're older. Some of us because it was just our time to go and we died young, but we died when the Lord wanted us to go. So be faithful. And in the meantime, tell others of God's goodness. Are you, a, are you, are you, are you the witness you should be? And then do you tell others of God's goodness? You're the first to raise your hand when it's testimony time. I love testimony time. Well, we did not have that at our church. I instituted testimony time. And it took a while for the folks to raise their hand. And a lot of it's just the temporal things. Praise the Lord for safety on, to see the relatives last weekend and back. But they were, that was more than they were doing before. They're praising God for the mundane. They're praising God for the, for the safety. They're praising God for a good day at work. They're praising God they still have work. I have one, the guy that's covering for me, my, my piano player, he doesn't have regular work. And so the pressure is on for them to make some bad decisions if they're not careful in the family. Why? So they can provide. And, uh, but I think God's going to be good to them. God's going to give them grace. God's going to take care of them and sustain them. They don't know it yet, but God will if they're faithful. And God will take care of you if you're faithful. But tell others of God's goodness. Be proclaiming. Be a witness. Respond quickly to the orders of the Lord. Be obedient. Respond to the light God gives you. And don't forget that God shows up during the mundane. So be faithful and hang in there and uh, do what you're supposed to do. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the good example of these shepherds. Lord, you showed up to common, ordinary people that did a job that nobody else wanted. You showed up. Lord, there might be somebody here that's maybe thinking of quitting their marriage. Maybe thinking, maybe there's a young person who's debating, jumping into the world with both feet. Lord, I've been there. Uh, I, I've, I, I've come close several times. I'm just turning my back on everything and jumping in both feet. Lord, oh, oh, but for the grace of God, Lord, that'd be me. I know of several young people who grew up in church that have done just that, and it's sad, and they're, it's breaking their parents' heart, their pastor's heart, their church's heart. A lot of young people, Lord, a lot of the youth group that I grew up with here in this church, half of them are no longer here and half of them aren't serving you, at least. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, to respond 
in obedience and to tell others of your goodness because of that obedience. In your name I pray. Amen.